as we read our passage today. I'm going to read Habakkuk 1, 1 through 11. And here we'll see a complaint and God's response. Hear now God's holy and fallible word. The oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you, violence, and you will not save? Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. So the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose might is their God. Let's pray. Father, this is your word, and uh, we ask that you would encourage us this morning, that you would speak to us. Would you help us to see Christ even in the midst of this Old Testament prophet of Habakkuk? Would you teach us to pray? Would you encourage us in in our hearts? And would you do all this for your glory's sake? We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, it's election season, and so it is the time of the season where every candidate Uh, wants to share with us their view on what is wrong with the world or what is evil and how they are going to fix it or what is right in the world and how they're going to keep it that way. And it's uh, a natural thing that we as people do evaluate what is right and what is wrong because we are created in the image of a sovereign God who declares what is right and wrong. And God in his word tells us the truth of what is truly right, what is truly wicked, what is truly uh, evil. And it is natural for us to want to do something about wickedness, whatever we find to be wrong or wicked in this world, because we were created in the image of the divine warrior, the almighty God, the God who hates evil and loves righteousness. And it's It's a part of us. And as we grow in godliness, as we grow in Jesus Christ, by his word and by his spirit, God's children develop a greater sensitivity to the truth of God. And what he finds wicked becomes more wicked and more evil in our own sight. And what he delights in, the righteousness of Christ, becomes ever sweeter. That is what we ought to expect. And yet the divine warrior calls us as his people. He invites us, directs us into his 
warfare against wickedness. But we don't wage war the way the world wages war. We don't wage war with guns or swords or even social media ad campaigns. God gives us spiritual armor and spiritual weaponry for the fight. Specifically, when it comes to armor, he gives us the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of his truth. He gives us feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. And he gives us the shield of faith with which we can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. That's what he gives us for armor. And for weaponry, he gives us the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And to that, we could also add prayer. Because the Almighty God directs us to approach the throne of grace with confidence that we might find help in time of need. He calls us to his throne of grace that we might ask him to fight for us so that he would be victorious and we might be delivered from evil. But what happens when God doesn't answer? That's where things get confusing to us. Because God makes bold claims in Scripture about prayer. And about himself, he tells us that he hates wickedness. He hates evil. He can't, his pure eyes can't even look at what is wrong. He tells us that um, we ought to never be anxious about anything, but that in everything we ought to pray to him and entrust to him that he will deliver us. And the peace of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's what he tells us. The Apostle James said that uh, the prayer is effective. It's powerful. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful when it is working. God hates these things, and he tells us to pray. He tells us that it's powerful, but then what? happens when he doesn't respond. What does the silence mean? Does it mean that God is asleep? Is he not listening? Can he not hear me? Is there something about me? Am I, am I praying wrong? Have I done something wrong? Does he just not care? I think we've all wrestled with that question, brothers and sisters, as we've wrestled through how to pray and who God is, as we sought to pray in faith. And the prophet Habakkuk was wrestling through those very same things. He's surrounded by wickedness, and he is crying out to the Lord, and the Lord is silent. And he cries out, how long, O Lord? How long must I keep praying? How can you sit idly by? But God responds eventually, and he says essentially this, I'm listening, and I'm working, and be prepared to be astounded at what I am about to do. And so what we ought to hear from this passage in Habakkuk this morning, friends, is that God most certainly hears the prayers of his people. And so we must earnestly 
and persistently continue in prayer. So we'll look at our passage in its two primary sections. First, the, the complaint of the prophet, Habakkuk's complaint, followed by the Lord's response. And then we'll have some points of application. So the prophet begins with this complaint. O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? He's been, it's clear he's been praying for some time. There's been some prayers that we haven't heard about before. And he is expecting that God will respond to his prayer. This is a prophet of the Almighty God who's been commissioned to this task. And the Lord's not responding. And Habakkuk is growing impatient that the Lord is not responding. And his primary concern is wickedness that is around him. He said, why do you make me see iniquity? Why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. Now, kids, that word iniquity really just means sin or wrongdoing. There's, there's wickedness everywhere Habakkuk looks. There's destruction and violence and bitterness and hatred and fighting and over and over again. And if we didn't know any better, he could be writing about our culture, our life. Because isn't it true, friends, that no matter where we look, you can't turn on the TV, you can't scroll through the news or social media without seeing some kind of bitterness or fighting or violence or destruction or hatred or you name it. So it's just like us, except for it's even worse than that because he is complaining about God's people. Habakkuk is prophesying in the time where to, to the nation of, or he's, he's complaining about the nation of Judah. These are God's covenant people. Unlike our day where there is a separation between the church and the state, or God's people are in the church, and we are living in the world, but not of the world, this was a time where the church and state were God's people. And so the law is God's law, and the people are God's people. And everywhere he looks, he's seeing God's people in a time of great wickedness. Like we said, this is probably in the time of King Jehoiakim, a time where a wicked king who turned the people away from the Lord, where they followed other gods and they indulged in wicked practices. And everywhere the prophet looks, he says, there's wickedness, and he's crying out to the Lord, Lord, will you not grant justice? Why do you look idly at what is wrong? God's people were spiritually bankrupt and morally corrupt. It says in verse 4, so the law is paralyzed. That's, that's God's law. That's his Torah. It, it's, it's lost its effect to restrain God's people become numbed and justice never goes forth it says even worse justice is perverted it says those who do wrong are commended and those who do right are condemned not to 
different from what we see in our own day and age. But beloved, this is not God's design. God is a God of justice, a God of peace. How could he be idle? How could he sit by when the prophet is crying out? Why didn't he respond? Beloved, is that how how it feels for your prayer life? Do you feel like you wonder if God is really listening or if your prayers are even even doing anything? Can he even hear you? A friend of mine said, sometimes I feel like my prayers never, never get above the ceiling. Is he, what is he even doing? Do you struggle to see the fruit of your prayer life? Be encouraged by Habakkuk. Because the prophet Habakkuk struggled with the very same thing. <clears throat> Do you remember the reason Jesus gave for telling that parable of the persistent widow? He said, it said, he gave them this parable so that they might learn to continue in prayer and to not lose hope. We ought to continue in prayer and not lose hope because that's what the Lord shows us as we continue in, in the passages, that the Lord was indeed listening. Look what he says. He says, look among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if you were told. What does he tell Habakkuk? He says, I've been at work. I've heard your prayers. Justice is coming. Look, he says, and see, wonder, and be astounded. It's going to be far greater than you could possibly imagine. He's heard. It wasn't that he hadn't heard. <laughs> he most certainly had heard, and it's not that he wasn't doing something. He was at work. It's that God was exercising his perfect patience, and his justice was coming. And look what he says, how he describes that justice. It will be swift and fierce and terrible. Is one that will astound those that you wouldn't believe if told. For he says, I am raising up the Chaldeans. Kids, those are, again, the Babylonians, the Babylonian Empire. He says, I'm raising them up. Those will be my agents of judgment that I will bring upon my people. I will judge the wickedness that you've seen, Habakkuk. It's coming. And I'm raising them up even now. And notice how he describes that judgment that is coming. God will turn the lawlessness of his people back upon them. Habakkuk has cried out violence, and they will be destroyed by an intensely violent foe. He says, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. They will be violent. Habakkuk had cried out that the law was being perverted, and these Chaldeans 
are a law unto their unto themselves. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. It is um, they are coming quickly. It says their horses are swifter than leopards. They will be unstoppable. Their horsemen press proudly on. They will have endurance. The horsemen come from afar. They are ravenous and fierce, more fierce than the evening wolves. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour, and they will be victorious. They all come for violence. All their faces are forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings, they scoff. Rulers, they laugh. They laugh at every fortress as they pile up earth. That's, they're making siege works. Every fortress they will defeat. And they're so, their power will be so unmatched, the Lord says, that they will sweep by like the wind and go, go on. Guilty men whose might is their God. God is raising them up with such strength and ferocity, and violence that his judgment will be sure and secure. He is giving them the power for judgment. Brothers and sisters, our God is not safe. Our God is not indifferent to wickedness. The wickedness that you see that you feel in the midst of your life, in the midst of this world, God sees and God hates and God is doing something about it. Our God is holy and just. And do not think for a second that the New Testament ushered in a new God that is less concerned about wickedness and evil than that the God of the old. He is just as serious about holiness and wickedness and righteousness as he was in the Old Testament. And we need to look no further than the cross of Jesus Christ to know that fact, beloved. Because at the cross of Jesus Christ was something that no one would have expected. That even if told... You wouldn't believe. No eye had seen, no heart imagined what God had in store. He sent his only son to become like us. He gave him his son up to be swiftly, violently, and brutally beaten and condemned and judged for us. It was ferocious. The whips tore into his flesh. It was violent as the nails went into his hands and to his feet. And he was raised up as a public spectacle, as a cross of shame and mockery and judgment on our behalf, beloved. That was our wickedness being put on him. That was God's judgment being poured out for us in him. And the Lord Jesus Christ, like the prophet, could have cried out, Violence! Justice! 
and out of God's grace to us, he stopped his ears and he turned his back. And he poured out on him the judgment that we deserve. Beloved, your wickedness, my wickedness, sent Jesus Christ to the cross. And it's because of our sin that God poured out his wrath on Christ. It is, he is serious about wickedness. The question is, are you appalled by wickedness? Or have you just grown numb to the things that are going around? Have you stopped asking God to grant his justice, to put a stop to the wickedness that we see day in and day out? Or have you just given up because you think he's just not interested in dealing with what we see and what we feel? Beloved, God, hear this, God welcomes our complaints he welcomes your complaints. Hear, hear from Habakkuk how he complains to God. He, God desires honest prayers. He wants us to truly pray to him with reverence and awe, but with honesty. We can look at the, the person of Job, the man Job, uh, for this as well. Job was afflicted and he didn't understand what was going on. He didn't understand why he was having to deal with this. And he cried out. He, he wanted God to explain himself. And his friends had the pious sounding words. Friend, you, you shouldn't be talking back to God. You, you, just, you just need to take it. You've probably done something wrong. But the Lord said to his friends, you have not spoken wisely. But Job, he restored and like Job, like many of the Psalms, Habakkuk cries out, How long, O Lord? How long do I have to keep praying this? How long will you not hear me? Friends, we can't give up praying earnestly that God's will would be done on earth as it is in heaven, that his kingdom would come, friends. It is that same spirit that on the cross Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God delights in our honest prayers because God is, God speaks to us, friends, and his words are true. And he invites us, he calls us to believe that he is speaking truth. And the prayer of faith believes what God says about himself and believes what he's going to say and is willing to wrestle with God when when things don't seem to match with reality. He he wants us to plead with him and to keep at it and to ask him to be true to his word. Do you feel like you're not protected in the midst of this this world? He says he will protect you. Do you think that God doesn't care about the wickedness? Ask him, plead with him to bring about his holy purposes. Don't just sit idly by. Don't just shrug your shoulders and say, I guess it just is what it is. No, beloved. No, God is sovereign and good 
and holy, and he responds to our prayers, and he is listening to you. He is listening to you. We want justice, and we want it now. But, beloved, more than that, we, we probably want patience. And our God is perfectly patient. Because if we look at the Lord's answer, we are reminded that when God takes action upon and to bring about his justice, he wins the game forever, and it is over. There is no stopping our God. He is perfectly powerful. He works it out. When his judgment comes, it is deadly and fearsome and complete. But praise God, beloved, we have a patient God. A patient God and his, who desires that no one would perish. He is kind to us. And God's word says that his kindness is intended to draw us to repentance, lead us to repentance. This judgment is reserved. It was poured out on Christ for his people, but it is reserved for those who are not in Christ. And don't forget, beloved, that our God has work to do in us as well as for us. Because our God is patient, and yet he's working that patience in us. He is conforming us to his likeness. He, he wants us to hate what he hates and to love what he loves. And so by being patient with us, we develop that hatred. We develop that longing for something better. We, we, we wrestle with what does God really say that I can expect from him? And then holding him, in a sense, accountable to that. That's what we plead. God, you said, you promised be faithful to your promises. He teaches us to endure in the midst of it, to continue in our prayers. That praying with persistence over time develops a faith that is rooted in God's goodness and his sovereign power. It teaches us to continue to trust him as we realize how powerless we are to bring an end to it. And our God also loves his enemies. And he gives his enemies grace by not executing his judgment. And he would teach us to love our enemies, to pray for them, to pray for their salvation, to pray for their, that the Lord would be gracious to them. All these things take place as God patiently waits before he brings his judgment. He builds our faith. And he teaches us to cry out to him. But, but beloved, know this. Our God is patient. But he's also not going to wait forever to bring his ultimate judgment. Judgment will be poured out. He has promised it. He has foretold it. It has been prophesied. It has been written 
There is a day that is appointed when justice will come, and that day will be frightful. And it will be complete. And we will look, and we will see, and we will wonder, and we will be astonished. He has appointed a day where his arrows, this divine warrior, his arrows will be dipped in blood. His sword will be sharpened. He will trample his enemies in the winepress of the fury of his wrath. And the hem of his robe will be stained with the blood of the unrighteous. And it will be complete. The heavens and the earth will pass away. And death itself. And the tormentor of God's holy ones will be cast away forever. It will be a fearsome victory, but it will be glorious for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because in Christ Jesus, God's wrath has been satisfied. And so, beloved, our God most certainly hates wickedness and evil, and God will bring justice but he has been gracious to us and he has set before us two options, two paths. The first path is to accept the sacrifice of his son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. To accept the, the violence that was done to him, the wrath poured on him as a satisfaction for our, our sins. To bow the knee to him to put our hope in him and his salvation, to seek Christ as a refuge, to call him Lord and Savior with eternal praise. Do this and judgment has already been accomplished in the body of Jesus Christ. But the other option, beloved, is to face judgment on our own. But we, know, we don't know when that will be. We, each one of us, our lives are short. It is appointed for each man to die once and after that to face judgment. But not one of us can stand in that judgment. You can't do enough good things to be able to stand before this holy God Friends, your sin has been against God himself. You owe an infinite debt. And unless you can pay an infinite debt, you will face an infinite and eternal judgment, which will be swift and fierce for all eternity. And unless you don't know if you believe me, Unless you think that there's a possibility that you can stand on your own. Maybe you can bargain your way into heaven. Beloved, don't take the chance. Don't take the chance because God has said otherwise. He has offered you Christ. Flee to Christ. Make him your refuge. Make him your refuge and delight yourself in him. Brothers and sisters, our God is bringing salvation. He has given us salvation in Jesus Christ. So let us cry out for that salvation. He 
feels the wickedness that we endure. He hates it. He hears his justice is coming. His justice is coming. And with his justice, his peace and his salvation. Stand firm, beloved. Pray continually. Trust in the goodness of our God. And come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you at times open up a window into your ways and your your works and into what is your perspective on on the the experience that we see and we we thank you that um, you see the wickedness that we have to endure we thank you that you are patient and that you are just and that you are holy we thank you that you have given us your son Jesus Christ in in whom we can take refuge Father, I pray that your spirit would teach us to pray as we ought, that we would be diligent in that, that we would never lose hope that you are listening, that we would trust in your goodness and your power and your might and your love. Father, thank you that you are coming soon to make all things new. I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.